Welcome in to another episode of Frogs Insider. Jamie Plunkett here, hosting solo this week. Melissa Trebowasser is out, but she will be back next week. Uh, a lot to talk about on this episode. Very excited to jump in. It is a mailbag episode, so thank you to everyone who dropped in a mailbag question over at hornfrogblitz.com. Very thankful for all of you. We're going to get to your questions today. We're talking about realignment. We're talking about um, some of the basketball team. We're talking about a lot of different things. Some really good questions came in through the mailbag today. Uh, very excited to get to all of those. Um, but first, as always, a little bit of podcast business. We are Frogs Insider. This is the TCU podcast for Dave Campbell's Texas Football's Republic of Football Network. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever else you get your audio mediums to listen to through your ear holes. Um, just search Republic of Football Network and you'll find our uh, whole stream with all of the Frogs Insider episodes along with episodes for every D1 football program in the state of Texas. Very cool little setup there. I do love listening to the other shows. I feel like I'm a much smarter football person now because of all of the shows that are in the Republic of Football Network. Uh, a really cool cool group of folks uh, that I get to work with and that Melissa gets to work with as well. Um, if you just want TCU-only content, you can also search Frogs Insider wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find our stream that has just our show on it. Um, but again, I would recommend subscribing to the Rep Republic of Football Network because they are awesome. Um, also, a big shout-out if you're uh, watching on the YouTube channel. We've had a, a growing audience on YouTube lately. It's been very fun to see. Um, but you'll uh, be able to see our face here on the podcast if you're watching on YouTube. And you'll be able to subscribe, hit that bell so that you get notifications every time we post new content. A lot of the videos are interviews with coaches and players from media availabilities. So if you want to know what Jamie Dixon has to say this week, ahead of the Iowa State basketball game when the Frogs travel up there on Saturday. Check out the Frogs Insider YouTube page. That that press availability will be posted once that interview has happened. Um, I believe we're talking to Avery Anderson during that media availability as well. So you'll see that interview plus all the post-game stuff um, later on next week. So uh, hit that subscribe button over on YouTube. Make sure that you're signed up to listen on uh, whatever podcast streaming platform you prefer. And uh, we thank you in advance if you haven't done that already. And if you have, if you've been here since day one, uh, you guys are, are rock stars and we absolutely love you. Um, also, big shout out to our sponsors, Hell's Half Acre, Stadium Goods, and Homefield Apparel. Uh, pretty much making up 100% of my wardrobe at this point with, with both uh, those wonderful organizations. And if you didn't see it earlier this week, Hell's Half Acre did a, a demon thing and they absolutely dropped the biggest banger of a hat I have seen in quite a while uh, a cream rope hat with the old school tc baseball logo on it i have not ordered something so fast in a long long time uh so shout out to hell's half acre for uh continuing to create absolutely top of the line quality tc products y'all are y'all are rock stars um and again if you're watching on youtube you can see i am wearing you know my custom home field apparel hoodie uh, this one's the purple TCU one throwback logo, uh, incredibly comfortable hoodies, um, from homefieldapparel.com. So 
Let's jump in. Um, I was thinking about talking a little bit about the Dartmouth basketball stuff, but instead of doing that, I want to direct you guys to an article written by Alex Kirshner for Slate uh, because I think he did a phenomenal job of capturing what is happening with that issue. And if you haven't heard anything about it, Dartmouth basketball uh, appealed to the Boston Regional Office of the National Labor Relations Board to um, try and become classified as employees of the university. And the regional office agreed with their um, request and has ruled that they are employees of Dartmouth University. Um, this is not an um uh, a completely new thing This happened about 10 years ago with Northwestern football, with the Chicago regional office of the NLRB. Um, and it went up to the board of the NLRB, which is the overseeing uh, kind of governance for all of these regional offices for the labor relations board. Um, and ab ab about a year later, uh, that ruling was overturned and it was decided that those Northwestern football players were not employees who knows if the same thing is going to happen with the Dartmouth basketball team this time around. Um, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on and be interested in. Um, especially if you're a fan of a team that plays for a private university, because the NLRB only has jurisdiction over private institutions, public universities would not, um, be subject to any of their rulings. So, really complex situation, really interesting situation to keep an eye on moving forward. And I thought Kirshner did a phenomenal job of summarizing all of it up in his article on Slate. I will try to remember to link to that article in the show description of this episode so that you can just click right through to that and give that a read if you would like to do so. Um, a couple other things before we jump into our mailbag. Baseball is getting up and running. They play a week from Friday. They host Florida Gulf Coast. If you do not have tickets, I would encourage you to get some now um, because I think it's going to be a really fun opening weekend for the Frogs. Florida Gulf Coast, you can read this in my preview next week when it comes out, but uh, they were a top 50 RPI team last year. They're a good baseball team, a newer program in the country. Um, but Kirk Sarlos is doing this thing where he's not backing away from a challenge in non-conference, and that's starting right out of the gate with FGCU this year. I've already started my preview series over at hornfrogblitz.com. Those are VIP articles, so you have to be subscribed to read them. But we've posted our outfield and infield uh, previews already, and my pitching preview will post on Thursday as well, the same day that this podcast drops. So you should be able to head over to hornfrogblitz.com and read those three. We've also got a hitting preview coming up a schedule preview. I'm going to zoom out and take a look at the rest of the Big 12. Um, and then we've got some interviews with players that are going to post soon with Carson Bowen and Ben Abelt, who I had the chance to catch up with earlier this week. Um, talk to them a little bit about what they're looking forward to about going into their sophomore seasons at TCU. So um, all of that excellent baseball content is going to be behind the paywall over at hornfrogblitz.com. So make sure that you're subscribed over there. We are running a deal right now. Uh, I think today actually might be the last day, 60% uh, off site-wide. So get in there, get subscribed, and get prepared for TCU baseball because they start in a little over a week um, trying to get back to Omaha, trying to bring a third piece of Big 12 hardware home in three seasons under Kirk Sarlos. Very exciting about all of that. Um, let's see. What else is there? I think that's it. Uh, I, I know that on the, th the sites, on the thread where I – 
you know, called for podcast questions. Um, I mentioned Melissa is without internet. She's been in the storms up in California. Um, she is safe. She is good to go. Uh, she has power. She has water. She has everything. She's just without internet right now, which means that she's really, really bored. Um, and I can't blame her for that, but she is safe. Uh, so thanks to everybody on the site who was hoping and, and wishing her well, um, as you know, California gets hit by some pretty big storms. Okay. Let's jump in to some questions here. Scrolling. All right. TRF 51 asks, what are your thoughts on realignment and how TCU is positioned? Do you see the current big 10 and sec partnership as a threat? Speaking of partnership is the news of a new sports streaming network consisting of all the heavy hitters. A good thing for us. Okay. So let's start with the first question there. What are your thoughts on realignment and how TCU is positioned? This is a harder thing to kind of nail down these days um, because things change on a daily basis. Conversations are consistently happening. And when I say conversations are consistently happening, I should note that I'm not saying that like TCU is constantly having conversations with A, other conferences, B, other schools, C, um, media partners, potential media partners, anything like that. I'm saying that there are conversations happening at the conference level um, and in internally with uh, certain media providers and all of that kind of stuff to say, what's the best path forward to A, provide the best product to viewers and B, make the most money, right? So uh, a lot of those conversations are happening at higher levels outside of any kind of individual university. Um, and some are happening at the conference level with uh, advisors and that kind of thing as well. So um, where is TCU positioned currently? I think that that depends on how things break out in the future, right? Because I think there are a few different ways things could break uh, down. I think the first way that things could break down is the big kind of P2 model. That would be the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, the Big Ten and the SEC have long been perceived as the two strongest conferences, and the goal of every school realistically at this point should be to try and get into those if you want to be included in whatever they're doing next. Um, do I know what they're doing next? I don't. Do I think it would be best for TCU to be in a position to where they're in, involved in that? I also don't know because the latest rumor is that private equity is going to be involved at some point. And if you don't know anything about private equity, the exclusive goal of private equity is to make things as efficient as possible in order to make the most money. And when I think of college athletics, I don't necessarily think of a beacon of efficiency, especially when you start to get into non-revenue sports. So if a private equity firm was going to be involved in college athletics, what would their take be on women's soccer? What would their take be on baseball, which is not a revenue sport for probably 95% of the schools in the country? What's their take on beach volleyball or women's basketball? Um, and so I don't know that uh, I don't know what the future holds if private equity gets involved. And so I can't say whether or not TCU should want to be involved in that. 
you know. Um, but there is, I think, uh, there are a couple different uh, situations here. I was talking with some folks uh, this week about it, and I think you know you can kind of break this down into a couple different scenarios. The first scenario um, is private equity getting involved, like I've kind of mentioned. Um, the other one is kind of a hybrid NFL collegiate licensing model. Um, I don't believe TCU would make the cut in that model, but I think that that would be a major overhaul of all of what we know about conferences and, and scheduling and everything. Um, I think that there would be a lot of current big 10 and sec schools that would not be a part of that model as well. Uh, the second kind of thing is what I think at this point is probably the most likely. And that is kind of a breaking away of the intact big 10 and sec um, that maintains all of their current schools. Um, and I think at that point there are ways that you could see some other schools in the ACC and big 12 getting involved in that um, through expansion of those power two conferences. Um, TCU I think is in decent shape, but so are a handful of other schools, right? North Carolina, I think is a pretty, um, cherished uh university right now if you're one of the power two i think kansas and arizona and florida state are also pretty high on that list um you know obviously notre dame is still sitting out there as an independent and so it's not like oh hey these two these two conferences are going to break away and they're going to add tcu and three other schools it, it would be something along the lines of uh um, a pretty pretty significant pitch would need to happen i think in order for any school to be included in, in that expansion, not just TCU. Um, another scenario is, um, you know, the things that things actually stabilize for uh, a little while, um, that they stay the same for a few years while the ACC sorts itself out. Um, because I think that there's these competing lawsuits that the ACC and Florida state have filed, um, are going to take a while to kind of work through. And I don't know if the Big Ten or the SEC are going to really be willing to make a move before they understand how that situation has resolved. So we could actually be entering uh, a, a little period of stability here for, I don't know, two, three, four seasons before the next big shuffle happens. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately as far as TCU's position goes, they are uh, a very well-run, well-organized athletic department. It is a university that is starting to prioritize some things that are important at the national level as far as research is concerned. Um, it probably would have been better if TCU had prioritized some of those things a decade ago, but that's just not what happened, and that's okay. Um and I think, too, when you look at... Because I think people often say, oh my gosh, well, that football program's winning. They should be involved in X. Or that program is losing. They don't deserve to be involved in X. But realistically, and I think I've said this on the show before, the the challenge is pulling back and looking at the whole picture of the university and the athletic department and its viability in a different setting. Um, 
And I think TCU, for the most part, passes those tests and checks most of those boxes. But like I just said, a good number of other schools do as well. And one thing that you can't really change is location. I think TCU has an excellent advantage when it comes to that. Um, but it's going to be a tight race to see, A, what happens next, and B, who gets to be included next. I don't think that anybody who's saying, uh, oh, X school or Y school is for sure going to be in next round, if they're giving you a guarantee, I would hesitate to listen to that person because the reality of the situation is there is nothing set in stone at this point, not a single thing. And anybody who's speaking to you with any kind of a guarantee or a promise probably is either overselling something that they've heard from a source or be just trying to get interactions on social media. And that's, that's fine. Right. That's, that's kind of the sexy thing to do um, from a, from a, uh, impressions standpoint, but it's not something that I'm willing to commit to just because I, uh, <laughs> I'm not as confident as some of the other folks that post on social media, um, based on what I've been hearing. So, uh, to TRF's next question, do you, uh, see the current big 10 and sec partnership a threat? No, cause this is kind of always where things were heading. Um, the writing was on the wall probably six or seven years ago at the latest. Um, at the earliest, probably a decade ago, that those were the two conferences that were going to try and start to dictate how things looked moving forward. Um, this partnership is really just kind of a formalization of them trying to figure out what would be best for their institutions and for them as conferences from a revenue sharing standpoint, from an employee, uh, student athlete employee standpoint, um, just trying to get on the same page with all of that and, and beginning to probably try and dictate to the NCAA hey, this is what we think should be happening next. And, you know, I think the NCAA, uh, who desperately does not want the Big Ten or the SEC to leave their um, governance, um, would probably acquiesce to a lot of those requests and, and have some negotiations about what things look like in college athletics moving forward. Um, because the alternative would probably be breaking away and getting involved with some kind of private equity, like I've already mentioned. Um, TRF51, Speaking of partnership, is the news of a new sports streaming network consisting of all the heavy hitters, ESPN, Fox, TNT, ABC, a good thing for us? Um, sure. I think that what we've seen over the last handful of years in this kind of segmenting of TV audiences is um, ratings are still great for college football. They're increasing. They're growing. But access is becoming a challenge for certain programs and brands. Um, that's less so, I think, at the college level because of things like ESPN Plus and more so at the professional level with organizations like Bally's. Um, but I, I personally, just from a, a, like a financial standpoint, am so tired of trying to get my grid out every offseason and figure out, okay, TCU's got games on Fox. They've got games on ESPN. What four different things do I need to have a subscription to to be able to watch TCU play? And, oh my gosh, okay, do I want to watch NFL games? Am I going to have Sunday ticket this year? Okay, am I going to want to watch Mavericks games? Okay, uh, because that means that YouTube TV for Sunday ticket, that means I'm going to have to have the Bally's app, probably going to have to have an ESPN Plus subscription somewhere. And 
you know, okay, so that's three things right there. My kids love Disney Plus and Netflix. All right, now I'm up to five subscriptions. I'm paying, you know, a hundred and something dollars a month just to entertain my family when I could have had a cable package for who knows what. Um, so I am fine with them starting to bundle again. I think it's hilarious that it's happening in this way that they're all just like, ah, maybe we should just all just come back together and recreate cable in a different package and charge people more for it for less channels. Um, but I really just use TV subscriptions to watch sports at this point. Oh, also Peacock to watch the premier league. Um, so there's another one right there, put that on the list. And then all of a sudden you're talking about like a $200 streaming bill every month. And, uh, so yeah, anything that starts to help me lower my monthly cost, I'm a, I'm a proponent of, um, but it, ultimately, I mean, it's about accessing the, the teams that I want to watch. I will also say, I know that I am a very different kind of sports consumer than the general public. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably fall into my category more than the general public category where there will be a game on and you toss it on and you watch it because it's Michigan, Ohio State or it's Texas OU or it's USC Notre Dame. And you're like, oh, those are big brands that I recognize. I'm going to sit down and watch that. Much like someone would sit down and just watch a random NFL game. I don't think the general public is as concerned as I am about, oh my gosh, I have to watch this these specific four teams. What do I have to do to watch every game of these specific four teams or five teams or whatever it is? Um, I think that they just have their their streaming service or their cable package or whatever. And they'll just, they're just comfortable with watching whatever sports broadcast is happening on any given day. Um, and so, you know, that's something to consider as well. Um, but yeah, I think access is good. Access to broadcasting is good. I think we've seen a lot more of that recently. Now media companies need to figure out how to do it uh, in a way that makes them money and also doesn't drive people crazy. Oh, Life of a Frog asks, I think we've got some really good talent and addressed some positions of need on the offensive line in this year's high school football recruiting class. Having said that, how are we supposed to feel about not being able to really out-recruit our Big 12 peers? Is this the new world going forward where we are just one of four to five schools somewhere near the top? Or will Sonny separate us? Isn't that in part what we hired him to do? Thoughts? Um and then he adds a little addendum here that says, to be clear, I understand that talent acquisition is the eye of the beholder. We were sixth in the Big 12 in average um, a ranking per recruit, and three schools landed more blue chip prospects. However, we feel about recruiting rankings, that most definitely is not differentiation. Yeah, so this is a good question, because TCU right now, I believe, is 35th in the 24-7 uh, rankings that include both high school and transfer portal recruits. Uh, they're bringing in 40 new faces. Um, starting with the early enrollees and running through June, essentially. And um, I think TCU, to get to, to life's question, has an opportunity to differentiate itself from the pack and to separate itself from a recruiting standpoint. But I don't see why the perception from an outsider would say, Oh, TCU is clearly the best team in that conference right now. Like, I don't think there has been enough to be able to make that argument on firm footing. Um, 
when you're talking about Oklahoma State just having reached the Big 12 Conference last championship last year. You're talking about bringing in an Arizona team that seems to be on the rise, even though they lost their head coach, a Utah team that's won two Pac-12 championships very recently. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of teams, probably, uh, let's list them, Arizona, Utah, TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Kansas, I think all six of those teams for sure feel like they have an opportunity to be the top dog in the Big 12. I think uh, probably Central Florida fans feel that way. West Virginia just won eight games last year. Is Neil Brown, was that the Dead Cats bounce or is he really putting something together? Iowa State's got one of their most experienced teams they've had since they had Brock Purdy on the roster. What are they going to do in 2024? I think the parity that we see across the Big 12 is reflected in some of these recruiting rankings where there's really no separation any way you cut it, or at least there's a cluster near the top any way that you cut it. And um, so, so to answer your question, is this the new world going forward where we're just one of four or five schools? Right now, yes. Or will Sonny separate us? That's the question that's that remains to be seen. Sonny did a tremendous job with a very talented veteran team in 2022. We saw kind of the predictable step back in 2023. Now what happens in 2024 and 2025? If TCU can get back to the Big 12 championship, if they can get into the college football playoff in expanded form, I think that there's an opportunity to start to really establish, hey, getting to the CFP in the second to last year as a four-team playoff, that was not a fluke. We're here to stay. We're going to consistently be a playoff um, uh, contender or playoff uh, participant. Um, and we're going to consistently compete for Big 12 championships. I think that's going to start to help. Because if you look over the course of Gary Patterson's time at TCU, it was a 10-win season or it was a 7-win season. And there was really no in-between there. There was less consistency than we probably remember with our purple colored glasses on. And there was more kind of spiking really good seasons. The spikes happened back to back and, and really close together a lot, but there were not a lot, if any eight or nine win seasons. And I think being more consistently an eight plus win team versus a six or 10 win team will help maybe stabilize some of the recruiting a little bit. Um, I will also say that coaches do not care as much about recruiting rankings. So I don't think if we took a question like that to Sonny to say, hey, are you content with you know TCU being third in the conference in overall recruiting rankings behind Colorado and I believe it was Texas Tech? Like what's like do you want to be number one? I don't think he I don't think he would care. I really don't think he would care. Um, I think instead he would say, we got the guys we wanted um, and we're going to work to develop these high school guys and hope that our transfer portal additions hit, um, which is what happened in 2022, right? Uh, and so they, I think they found a decent model. Now it's, is that, um, uh, can you reproduce that year over year? I guess that's the question we're still waiting for for an answer to. Um. <clears throat> All right, TC Wags with a couple questions. Um, how does the whole pay-to-play NIL, in parentheses, not NIL, thing work? 
Payday on the 1st and 15th from Friends of Frogs. Venmo straight from the Chicken Hut or Pizza Palace. Cash stuffed in the new pair of Nikes in the clear bag. Back to school <laughs> swag bag. Uh, is there a W-2? Uh, so I love these questions. I know that they're a little bit tongue-in-cheek wags, but I think there's uh, some good good stuff behind it. Um, so um, for student-athletes, they essentially, and this is not just a TCU, this is across the country, they will sign a contract with a third-party NIL collective that lays out terms of payment, typically monthly, and lays out what is required of that student to um, you know, not earn that money, but to earn that money. And none of it is related to play because that is illegal that is against ncaa regulations but it is all related to hey if you are getting paid for your name image and likeness then it would stand to reason that you would need to do things related to name image and likeness and so is that a scheduled media appearance is that going and doing community service is that meeting with local business owners is that, you know, so there, there are a variety of different ways that that can, can bear out. Um, but there are some requirements around using your name, image, and likeness in order to receive payment for name, image, and likeness. There is, um, uh, tax documentation that needs to go into it. So one of the things I think TCU does incredibly well is how they prepare guys for this new, reality um by giving them uh, not only giving them but requiring them to go through uh some financial literacy courses uh to understand what it means to pay taxes how you set aside that money if you're an independent contractor what you have to do to report all of the money that you make in a given uh calendar year they they require student athletes to go through those 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 classes um and those classes are done in partnership with the neely business school um so i I think jeremiah donati has done a phenomenal job of making sure the structure at tcu he's not the only one but he's a key player in it um uh, the new president daniel pullen when he was still the dean of the neely school also had a huge role in this um of just making sure that they were putting their student athletes in the best situation to succeed not only because they were now making money but giving them the tools to do well with that money, do well by themselves, do well with their families, um, uh, with some financial literacy stuff as well. So uh, I, I'm really impressed by the way TCU has handled handled that. And a lot of schools across the country are doing similar things, um, which as often as I think we get bogged down in the kind of lamenting about the state of college athletics, I am very thankful that a lot of institutions are taking on that responsibility by saying we want to make sure that we're equipping these young people well for um having this kind of money and uh, i just think it's a really good thing i just think it's a really really good thing um let's see here annoying group of 20 hoover touchdown to interception ratio in 2024 Better than 2023. I don't know what it'll be. How many INTs from 2023 Hoover or Chandler just get thrown away or turned into QB runs in 2024? Um, it's a good question. I think that uh, we will see Josh Hoover run more this year than we did in 2023 because he's got backups behind him that are healthy. 
in Ken Seals and Haas Haney. Um, I also think that he will make better decisions as a sophomore than he did in his first six starts as a freshman last year. Um, but I also think that defenses have a little bit of a book on him now. And they saw last year situations where he, he performed really well. And they saw last year situations where if you get a little pressure on him, if you, if you force him out of his rhythm, uh, that maybe some mistakes can happen. Or maybe sometimes he'll, he'll make decisions that aren't the best decision. Um, I'm thinking of the interception near halftime against Texas as an example. Um, and so, you know, I think growth isn't linear, but I think we'll see a tremendous amount of improvement from Josh Hoover. I understand why the coaching staff is handling the quarterback room the way that they are, um, because it's coming from a firm belief in Josh Hoover's ability to be the quarterback for this team. Um, and so I am, I'm excited to see his growth in 2024. Uh, and I hope that, um, I hope that it's, it's good enough for TC to be competitive week in and week out. I will also say you're replacing four starters off of a not very good offensive line last year. And how does that impact things? I think that's a question that we have to ask a lot this offseason is what's being done to improve the offensive line. Like Loaf said uh, a question or two ago, I think they addressed that need kind of in bulk this offseason. They added a ton of offensive linemen. Now you get to cultivate some competition and see who rises to the top. Let's see. Wrist Explosion asks, have you tried the Flying Tea Vodka and why not? Or how was it? I have not tried it yet. I need to. I'm not the biggest vodka guy. I will be honest with you. I would much rather have a bourbon. Um, so that's kind of <clears throat> one of my things right there. But I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. Um, I'm a big fan of the Hell's Half Lager, though, which is also another NIL beverage. Uh, I love that. It's a good beer. It's a nice light beer. Um, easy to have a couple. Not terribly expensive. Um, and also kind of kicks back to the Flying Tea Club. So if you're not a vodka guy like me, uh, or in, in a similar fashion to me where I am not a vodka guy, uh, you've got the Hell's Half Locker option as well. But hey, I'm just going to say this one more time, trying to manifest here on Frogs Insider. We're trying to manifest. An NIL bourbon would be awesome. So if there are any folks out there that are listening that have ability to make that happen, a flying tea bourbon would be dope. Okay. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode. It's a shorter episode today, which is not a bad thing necessarily. Oh, here's one more thing. Um, and this is something that I'm going to talk about right now a little bit and uh, talk a little bit more about when Melissa comes back next week's on next week's show. You are going to hear at some point on Thursday that Gary Patterson is going to Baylor as an analyst. Do with that information what you will. Process that information however you need to process it. I will tell you this. Um, I think it's hilarious. I think it's, you know, uh, a head coach who wants to keep coaching, who wants to find a way to kind of get back into the game. Um, 
And I personally hold no ill will towards Gary Patterson for that. You know, I think he's just a guy trying to find a job. And so the kind of journalist part of me is like, that makes sense that he would take another job in Texas where he's lived for the, uh, the majority of his adult life at this point. Um, the TCU fan in me is like, really, you've picked Texas and Baylor. Why is this happening? But the reality is, is that it has way less to do with TCU and way more to do with, with where Gary Patterson is in his life and what he's wanting right now. And um, can't hold that against the guy. So Gary Patterson is going to be on the Baylor staff in some form in 2024. However you feel about that, your feelings are valid. And um, just, uh, you know, do with that what you will. And that'll do it for this episode of the Frogs Insider Podcast. I am Jamie Plunkett. I have hosted this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel as well. And we will talk to you next time. Go Frogs.